from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. My guest tonight, and for the full two hours, is not on the list of approved experts. Despite having a long and distinguished career as a research scientist, you may have heard of a, a documentary featuring Dr. Judy Mikovits called Plandemic, which went viral. It examines the origins of the coronavirus pandemic. It did go viral, and that is before being banned on YouTube, and then it was available on BitChute. But if you tried to pass the link around to your friends via Facebook or Twitter, then you risked, of course, being thrown in the social media penalty box or worse. So why is Dr. <laughs> Judy Mikovits so radioactive? Why aren't we supposed to speak with her? Why aren't we supposed to listen to what she has to say? Why aren't we supposed to put her on radio programs like this? We are about to find out. I have received a few Facebook messages, a few emails saying just that. Why are you having her on? She's been discredited. You shouldn't be speaking with her. And I'll tell you, I don't like it when I'm told I can't speak to someone or hear someone speak because some bureaucrat or public health official or a politician says these are the approved list of experts. And anybody who doesn't agree with these experts must be silenced or dismissed. And that always, first of all, gets me angry. It also raises my suspicions. This is not the way an open and free democratic society is supposed to operate. And it makes me even more determined to want to speak to that person, to give that person a platform so that you can decide for yourselves. Judy A. Mikovits, PhD, has spent her life training to be a research scientist to honor her grandfather, who died of cancer when she was a teenager. Dr. Mikovits earned her BA from University of Virginia and a PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology from George Washington University. In her 35-plus year quest to understand and treat chronic diseases, she studied immunology, natural products, chemistry, epigenetics, virology, and drug development. In just over 20 years, she rose from an entry-level lab technician to become director of the Lab of Antiviral Drug Mechanisms at the National Cancer Institute before leaving to direct the cancer biology program at Epigen X Pharmaceuticals in Santa Barbara. There, in 2006, she became attracted to the plight of patients with chronic fatigue syndrome and autism. In only five years, she developed the first neuroimmune institute from a concept to a reality and is primarily responsible for demonstrating the relationship between immune-based inflammation and these diseases. She's published over 50 scientific papers, and she is the co-author, along with Kent Heckenlively, of Plague, one scientist's intrepid search for the truth about human retroviruses and chronic fatigue syndrome, autism, and other diseases, plague of corruption, restoring faith in the promise of science, and the case against masks, 10 reasons why mask use should be limited. So now I think you're starting to get the idea why Dr. Mikovits is seen by the mainstream media and others as controversial. Dr. Mikovits, welcome aboard. How are you tonight? I'm wonderful, Richard. Thanks so much for having me. There's so much to discuss and time is of the essence. So I want to jump right in. I want to go back to your research 
regarding myalgic encephalomyelitis or chronic fatigue syndrome. And it was kind of dismissed as yuppie flu, which was very patronizing, obviously, to the people that suffered from it and, and continued to suffer from it. But you studied that and its association with a retrovirus. And that was published in a peer-reviewed journal, very distinguished science, I believe back in 2009. What did your subsequent research into the association between chronic fatigue syndrome and this retrovirus reveal to you? Well, Richard, it was that paper was even more important than that because in 2006, when I co-founded the Institute and started it, chronic fatigue syndrome had been around since the late 80s and early 90s and was at times called non-HIV AIDS. And when I met the patients and met the doctor who had worked with literally patient zero there in the incline in village around San Francisco, I had read a book called Osler's Web by Hillary Johnson, and it went into the discovery and, and a lot more of the misogyny and really the, what I, the plague of corruption surrounding MECFS. Um, myalgic encephalomyelitis means inflammation of the brain and the spinal cord. So we looked at the immunological signatures of disease, those epigenetic abnormalities, literally my PhD thesis and the four to six landmark papers that were associated with that thesis. They literally changed the paradigm of treatment for HIV AIDS because we understood if the disease signature, if the virus could be silenced quickly by epigenetics, DNA methylation, and other things, and stop the expression of the virus, then the virus didn't cause the disease. It didn't do the tissue damage. I met a bunch of patients the summer before and their families. Our work was always family studies and people had associated cancers and other things, but always the person with MECFS was sicker. It was usually women, whereas HIV and AIDS was, was usually men. So in fact, our 2009 paper was the first ever isolation of a new family of gamma retroviruses, a new family of HIV-like viruses causing AIDS, causing being a strongly associated with cancers. And my work at the LADM, the Lab of Antiviral Drug Mechanisms, our job there was to develop drugs and immune therapies for AIDS-associated malignancies, cancers. We knew there were neuroimmune diseases associated with HIV infection, which had nothing to do with copy number. So I knew from reading Hillary Johnson's book, when I met the first few patients, I simply educated myself. What is a retrovirus? It's an RNA-DNA virus, so it's a hybrid virus that actually has an enzyme called reverse transcriptase. So it can write backwards its genome as double-stranded DNA and insert itself with another enzyme called integrase into your genome and live with you for the life of the cell. It can be transmitted horizontally and vertically, so you can inherit 
retroviruses. So these are, it's, it's just a different kind of RNA virus. You know, coronavirus is not a retrovirus. So some of the things I've been saying very publicly and the data supports it is that SARS-CoV-2 is not, you're not an asymptomatic carrier because you clear a coronavirus. You don't insert it into your own DNA, the provirus, and make right. the virus throughout so the life. A retrovirus is very sneaky. It can live with you for a very long time before it finally rears its ugly head. And then it also, what does it do to your immune system? Well, I mean, in, in the case of HIV, the macrophages and the innate immune response, um, the cells that it infects, it, when it gets into the macrophage and then they're like a, a Trojan horse. And then when they're activated by a vaccine, by any kind of inflammatory event, they're your frontline defense. Then they send out cytokines and chemokines like the bullets, uh, you know, and, and the, the trafficking molecules. They're the fire trucks that turn on the inflammation and send the fire trucks to the fire. So chemokines are trafficking molecules in the immune system. And so depending on the site of the macrophage, whether it be in the brain, the microglia, we have there, the body has resident macrophages. The liver has the cupper cells. The lung has the alveolar macrophage. So they have resident stem cells. If those get infected, then, and, and you get exposed to another virus or a vaccine, you activate the virus. They make many, many more copies. Your, your macrophages become little virus factories. And in the case of HIV AIDS, the macrophages were shooting bullets and killing T cells, the CD4 T cells. And those are your helper T cells, and then you disrupt the entire communication of the immune system. And then, of course, the patient would die. So what was critically important about our paper was that that paper wasn't just the association with chronic fatigue syndrome, which was very solid. In fact, I think it was 10 to the minus 19, the statistical, usually statistically significant more than chance is is 0.0 one or 0.05, 95%. It didn't happen by chance. We had 19 zeros in front of it and the journal wouldn't even let us say highly significant. (laughs) Right. So that was published uh, again, peer reviewed journal science 2009. And more than peer reviewed. Okay. We more than peer reviewed. One of the top journals in the country, um, and in our book Plague, we submitted that paper on May sixth. And when the reviewers of of two thousand and nine, when the reviewers came back, um, one of them said, "Oh, it's chronic fatigue syndrome." Nobody, that doesn't have anything to do with a virus. The, another one, uh, the top reviewer said, I'm 95% convinced, show me an immune response so you don't know it's contamination. Um, we did that in an assay that is shown in the paper very clearly. We showed immune responses, antibody responses at the time. Um, and, um, and then um, in our book, Plague, the, the, they held the... 
they the NIH and all levels of the government, top levels of the government, called together uh, a super secret invitation only meeting on July 22nd of 2009, where all eyes from CDC, every single one of of the uh, health and human services had expert there with more than just us. The original people that described um, XMRV named XMRV, and this is all discussed in our first book. That's but, the retrovirus. That's the correct. retrovirus. XMRV, okay. it means xenotropic. Xeno means foreign. It's not in a mouse. It's in a human. The M means murine leukemia virus, mouse cancer-causing virus, okay. related retrovirus. So it was most closely resembled to a mouse cancer and neuroimmune disease-causing virus family, which my um, colleague, Dr. Rossetti's um, wife, Dr. Sandy Rossetti, had spent her life studying and developing models. She had a whole bunch of reagents. She gave them to us all. We only worked on animal viruses. So when Bob, when Bob um, Silverman and Joe DeRisi described XMRV first in prostate cancer. And this is what, this is the God thing of all of it, because I was working in prostate cancer drug development at epigenetics because DNA methylation makes a big, so we were making drugs. And in fact, I'd done it with Johns Hopkins and back at the LADM, that was one of the AIDS associated malignancies. People with HIV had more aggressive um, prostate cancers. And now we know um, from the, and, and so in fact, our paper was published in science, not because of the association of chronic fatigue syndrome, but because it was the first ever isolation. Bob okay. Silverman was not a virologist and he only did a PCR. Right, for I, I, I gotta, I gotta jump here in here, but <laughs> okay. just because I know uh, there's so much here, but yeah. Okay. I want to I want to jump ahead to 2011 right. in here in a second. Mm-hmm. But you you okay. found something else though at, re, regarding this retrovirus and and uh, a vaccine uh, that had been contaminated. Tell me very quickly about that. Okay, we didn't find that. One of our colleagues said. The most likely way. In fact, what we found was how heavily the blood supply was contaminated and had been since the late 80s when it, when chronic fatigue syndrome was described. Because remember, gay-related immune deficiency wasn't women and children. So, so there had to be another virus there. They called it non-HIV AIDS. Um, and so... It, um, um, it, one of our colleagues in AIDS researchers wrote a paper in January of 11, an opinion paper, and, and he said the most likely way that mouse viruses got into humans was vaccine contaminants. So MMR vaccine, we found heavily 30% of all um, people with ITP, uh, a blood, a bleeding disorder, um, that at the time, I didn't know it had, our paper and our work had anything to do with vaccines. It was that colleague who said the most likely way that um, mouse viruses got in the le- in humans at the level they were in, 3.75% to 6% of all the studies showed XMRV. So our work was re- replicated. 
every negative study showed that to be 6%. 6% is 20 million Americans. That's, that's 25 times HIV at the height of AIDS in 1991. And the confirmatory study, the, the people who confirmed our work, two people actually did. Um, but the second one was Harvey Alter and Shai Shing Lo. And Shai Shing Lo took a box out of his freezer from the FDA from the 1990s that he had labeled non-HIV AIDS in 1991. It's clear they published it in PNAS. Harvey Alter is Alaska Award winner for hepatitis C. That's the American equivalent of, of, of a Nobel Prize. This was solid, solid, solid. But what couldn't the government do? Oh my God, the blood supply had been contaminated since the 90s because the, the, of the stigmatized and the, and the um, denigration of women and children when there was clearly another virus there. And many, many people like Stephen, uh, um, Peter Dewsbrook, his career was, was ruined. Um, Charles Ortlieb, who just wrote the book about um, Fauci being the birdie made off of science. And I'm sorry, I don't know the, the title of it right now. It's not in front of me. Okay, but we're, we're coming up. I'm sorry to interject yeah. here. We're coming up on a break. I just, uh, I, I, mm-hmm. it was at this point, though, that once you, once a connection, a possible connection was made to the vaccine industry and uh, this retrovirus, uh, that's when you were asked by science, and this is like two years later, now you're being asked to retract the 2009 article that had been through all of that review. Correct. Uh, and that's, now they're saying, oh, now this study is no good because you, because you, you connected it to the vaccines. And a heavily contaminated blood supply and right, right. going all the way back to AIDS. Right. So now they're asking you to retract. Correct. And, and um, then you also start to notice some suspicious characters following you and your family around, Correct. Oh yeah, a lot. We had a lot of fun the, the the summer of 2011. Not yeah, and and that's a whole chapter of play. Not only following us around, literally surrounding our house on November 9th um, at like four in the morning, where we had to escape on the boat um, on a, on our our own boat um, to our friend's boat. And you know, I'm sure that day I would have been dead, like um, you know William Thompson or or, or Jeff Bradstreet um, had they succeeded succeeded at, at catching us. And nine days later, I was arrested without a warrant or anything. That's that's what's shown very clearly in Plandemic and very clearly in our book, Plague of Corruption. Right. And we'll, we'll uh, take a time out here and we'll come back and, and talk a little bit about uh, your arrest and how the case was sealed and you weren't even allowed to hire lawyers uh, and uh, how your rights essentially were taken away. Doc- Dr. Judy Mikovits is with us and uh, we will come back on the other side we'll we'll uh, uh for those listening if you have questions and comments please keep your powder dry we will open up the phone lines in the second hour and take uh, questions and comments back with more of the conspiracy show my name is richard Serrett. don't go away The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Dr. Judy Mikovits stays with us, the author of, or co-author, I should say, Plague of Corruption. 
Uh, so before the break, we were talking about your arrest in November 2011, but I just want to back up a couple months because yeah. in September of that same year, you were fired uh, from your faculty position at uh, the University of Nevada, Reno, uh, because you refused to retract the paper, or what was the official reasoning? Uh, the official reasoning was um, called insolence and insubordination. And what I what I was told by, and it wasn't the University of Nevada; it was the institute that it was a private institute at the oh, University. Whittemore Peterson, Nevada. right? Correct. And so, an, an, Annette Whittemore and um, and a scientist there, a student of mine, um, Vince Lombardi. Um, had been um, misappropriating the grant funds that I was getting and using them in their private company to sell an unvalidated PCR diagnostic test uh, and 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 serology test um, for XMRV, and it had not been appropriate uh, validated. So um, I was threatened on August 31st by um, Michael Bush, um, the senior author on of on the paper. Paper, um, that was actually pure fraud. He he's the um, and and that's the paper that came out um, in September of Science, where Science commissioned pure fraud and I uh, of 2011. Um, so literally throughout the summer, we we had submitted a partial retraction. The every author on the paper agreed to in June of um, with Science. Dr. Rossetti was a co-first author on our paper in Science, so. Um, the first author and the and the senior author are the two that are responsible for How it. How difficult was that to retract? I mean, that, that must a partial mitigate- retraction. A partial retraction is easy because what we found out was the synthetic clone that Silverman's laboratory had made. It was an infectious molecular clone. It was synthetic. It never was the virus that we isolated from the people. And yet Bob Silverman told us, who held the patent, by the way, with Abbott, when they discovered, you know, by PCR, only a piece of the virus. And this is really significant with COVID-19 and what we see here. We can and see the cover-up playing out backwards. But at any rate, um, partial retraction was simple because our there, the data in our paper in science clearly showed there were multiple strains. There were It, it clearly showed samples that were PCR negative and okay. protein and serology positive. So the partial retraction was easy. So they just said that that figure number one and the, anything associated with the PT, PCR test was wrong. And so now that that was wrong. So the Whittemores are running a company and and stealing um, materials and funds from the grants out of my institute um, um, grants. And, and that, that, that money, you know, that's misappropriation of federal funds. That's a crime. So is selling an, un, an unvalidated diagnostic test. So the Whittemores are going to federal prison for a long time for Medicare fraud. Um, and, and I think the CDC and some of those people should do that now for the COVID-19 test, which is pure fraud. At any okay. rate, PCR so that's why that's what they tried to hang on you. And that's and why so, you were fired. So correct. Let's, well, let's jump I was to fired because um, they were trying to cover up their crimes when I left for a business trip on Friday, September 29th. I was on my way to Ireland for two weeks. Okay. So they they fired me, locked down my labs and they were going to rewrite my notebooks. So you could start getting the picture a little bit here. Right. So <laughs> in no, in November, you are arrested without charges. 
Correct. And you're you're held. Was it in Ventura? Correct. And, and so uh, I'm held for five days on November 18th. So on November 9th was when my house was surrounded the Wednesday before that. And we detail the story of how I escaped. Um, from the time I was fired, September 29th, um, the Whittemores locked down my lab to all of my students. But my student, Max, caught them um, in the middle of the night, um, literally setting up a Watergate-style kind of crime. And they were going to tell the story that I brought broke in and stole all the data in order to cover up that I made up XMRV all along. So in the six weeks between November, between September 29th and November um, 2nd, they went through and cataloged everything in my lab and, and, um, and, and said everything was there. The grant officers, Kathy Lachlan of the NIAID um, and the other grant officer, I can't remember his name, a, a junior grant officer who were in, you know, they, they award the grants. They came after I was fired and, and confirmed everything was in my lab and everything was in order. And so the Whittemores, if you commit misappropriation of federal funds, the Whittemores in the Institute had no other principal investigator. So the $10 million of grants would have come to me, to California after I was fired. I, I mean, a, a California um, was in a, a deep, um, problem and, and all of research was, I think $10 million would have gotten me a really nice job at UC Santa Barbara, Cal State, Channel Islands, where I was interviewing over that time. Um, and so I could have easily had a job with my grants and finished my work. Right. But this, was, is how they, this is how they, they I mean, uh -huh. uh, official dumb, let's just use that right. term, come after you and say, ah, she's been discredited. Correct. She had, she, they, she had to, she had to retract her her uh, study and she uh, she stole uh you know lab papers and lab documents and so forth they shouldn't have been in her possession and this Correct. is this is the crux and, of why they're saying you have been discredited and none of it was true and we didn't have to retract our paper at that time science the journal agreed to a partial retraction and 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 so that that wasn't good enough for John Coffin and um and colleagues because they had a really big problem they published fraud on September 22nd the paper that was published online in science September 22nd with with um the um Michael Bush's the senior author, uh, is, the title of it was Failure to Confirm XMRV MLVs in the Blood of Patients with Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, a multi-laboratory study. That's fraud. That was the blood working group, and that study was, is the blood supply contaminated? And, the, and do we have a simple diagnostic test to, to test the blood supply? And I presented that work at the New York Academy of Sciences on March 29, 2011. So, so this was planned from June for, you know, and John Coffin told Frank Rossetti in November of 2010, science, the journal started this and science, the journal is going to end this. This, these people participated literally in RICO in conspiracy to defraud the public. This was not a confirmation study. That is 
fraud. And Michael Bush knew it. We, I, you know, nobody said one word about my talk other than congratulations. And this is all documented in both of our books and not one comment. You know, Tony Fauci knows this. That's NIAID. That's why I said, hey, yeah, he's the boss. He funds your work, $10 million, you know, and he gave it to the Whittemores. And, and, and they gave the, the people who perpetrated crimes, who committed misappropriation of federal funds, they get the grants to this day. They were paid off big time. And Harvey Whittemore is a convicted felon for illegally um, com, um, running campaign fraud okay. with, with Harry Reid. Who, I wanna, who runs I, the government? Who runs NIAID and HHS? Oh, the Senate Majority Leader. That was Harry Reid. This is okay. big stuff coming up after me. I want to I want to come back to the tainted mouse uh, tissue, right? Uh, because this is part of a, a bigger warning that you're that you're issuing about Correct. tainted animal tissue that's being used in vaccines and what this might mean now and going forward, particularly particularly as we're talking about you know possibly a mandatory. Uh, COVID-19 vaccine. Just we just have a couple minutes here before the break, but just kind of set the table and then we'll discuss further after the break w- what this warning is about tainted animal tissue and its use in vaccines. Okay, it's a, a, one of the most bi- widely distributed biological pro- um, products that involve mouse and mouse tissue and other animal tissues. Think of um, monkey kidney cells and, and dog cells that have coronaviruses and flu vaccines. You know, are our, our vaccines, especially vaccines against viruses. So we've got all kinds of viruses that are dormant. And so if the vaccines have dormant viruses that nobody knows are there, then you can transfer them to humans by vaccination. And it's really important because all you have to do is inject the provirus or a piece of the provirus. You don't need infectious and transmissible if you inject it directly into the blood. All right. You said something very interesting there, and that is the coronavirus, which is in present in a lot of animal uh, tissue. Uh, and then that is then part of flu vaccines, flu vaccines, which, well, we're going to pick up on this on the other side, because I want to now get into uh, coronavirus and and uh, certain hotspots around the world in the early going, particularly northern Italy. I want to talk about why those numbers were so high and and, uh, in certain places. Uh, We'll uh, do that on the other side. Dr. Judy Mikovits is with me, and uh, she's here for the full two hours. Hope you can stay with us. And again, we'll open up the phone lines in the second hour. Questions and comments. 416-360-0740 in the greater Toronto area. 416-360-0740 and toll free from just about anywhere 1-866-740-4740 1-866-740-4740 again keep your powder dry until the top of the hour back with more in a moment stay with us Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. Judy is uh, the co-author of Plague, One Scientist's Intrepid Search for the Truth About Human Retroviruses and Chronic Fatigue Syndrome, Autism and Other Diseases, also Plague of Corruption, Restoring Faith in the Promise of Science 
And the case against masks, yes, we'll get to this, this, the case against masks, 10 reasons why mask use should be limited. Uh, so I want to talk about certain hotspots uh, with the coronavirus. But before that, we, we I, I failed to, uh, to, to mention that uh, with this arrest and your case was sealed, you weren't allowed to even hire lawyers, correct? Well, I, I could hire lawyers. Um, the case was moved illegally to a jurisdiction um, to Reno, Nevada, where Harvey Whittemore controlled the lawyers, bought the lawyers with Harry Reid, um, and, and was literally, you know, attempting to kill me, had threatened me on numerous occasions, you know, with guns. It's all in the books. He's a convicted felon. You know, um, yeah, okay, um, yeah, I could hire a lawyer. Um, I was forced into bankruptcy within, after when the charges should have been dropped um, literally in January or actually March 12th of 2012. I proved my complete innocence to the lawyer, Scott Freeman, who I hired, and he was made a judge in two weeks and taken off my case. So and and I proved that Annette Whittemore forged the so-called contract where where she said I stole intellectual property. I didn't steal anything and I could prove it. And I did on November 4th of 2000 when they threatened a civil lawsuit. Harvey Whittemore filed a civil lawsuit thinking he got away for, with the perfect crime on the night of September 29th when he fabricated this whole thing in March through and collect he set up a crime and i've got the affidavit he filed with it he pulled that lawsuit out of the file after uh, a lawyer wrote a i hired it got a lawyer she volunteered okay. for me and 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 so this was the the depth and the breadth of the of corruption um and the government and the journal science fully participated in it they let okay. you know harvey whittemore off the hook so yeah i could hire lawyers but i was forced into bankruptcy and told if I went to Reno and I took my 97 witnesses, which included Tony Fauci and Ian Lipkin, then I would be arrested with new charges on September 6th of 2012. September 6th. In March, I proved my innocence. And okay, I was I've got to okay. move ahead here. So okay. let's, let's go to um, the outbreak in northern Italy, which yeah. has an aged population it's, uh, um, you know, many of the people there, elderly, they, they were in nursing homes and so forth. We've seen that before. But right. I want you to tie that back to the flu vaccine and what you believe was the tainted mouse tissue or animal tissue in that flu vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not mouse. It's it's dog. So it, it's um, so the the flu vaccine given in in early 2019 had four different strains of live attenuated influenza virus, including H1N1. So it was a very powerful, you know, um, upper respiratory infection causing vaccine. And that particular vaccine is grown in maiden Darby kidney cells. That's a dog cell line. Dogs have lots of coronaviruses. So the paper pub there was a paper published in um 2020, I believe early 2020, um, it, it could have been 2019, um, showing that um that um 
if you give influenza virus vaccines, people have a more are more likely to develop um, uh, be infected with coronavirus vaccines. They have more serious disease, and so when you when you hammer people, the the sickest, already sick, an aged population that had very overcrowded hospitals um, with that vaccine. They're shedding live virus. These aren't dead pieces of material injected. You've got your sickest people and they become virus, little virus factories of, um, you know, a a virus loaded with different kinds of coronaviruses. Uh, Birds have coronaviruses. All animals have coronaviruses. So there's coronaviruses in every flu vaccine, um, but that particular one in that population, um, I'm sure caused the deaths, not not SARS-CoV-2. I mean, they, they spread SARS-CoV-2 or another, you know, or other uh, coronaviruses through the population, but nobody showed an autopsy of what those people actually died of. But, um, and I've done these cases for flu vaccines in the elderly causing the death, you know, and death by that inflammatory signature. That's why we talked about it. That inflammatory signature is the same as the XMRVs. So So if, if someone had the flu vaccine, Correct. Even if they were asymptomatic and they didn't have, uh, they didn't have COVID nineteen, would Correct. they test positive for it if they had that vaccine? Um, almost certainly, yes, because they'd have the same disease signature, and we don't know because the tests were flawed. The tests are contaminated. You don't use a PCR test. That's why I mentioned PCR. Because what did Bob Silverman do when he discovered the virus? He had 10% of it. It never was that virus. We have no idea who really died of SARS-CoV-2. It's not been isolated, as Dr. Andy Kaufman said, from the patients. You know, one or two, maybe the, the, the people working in the laboratories like me. But this is what the government knew. The laboratories infected me with the XMRVs. Who's going to die with a flu vaccine and a mask? Oh, all the people you infected with XMRV, 20 million Americans. 6% is the real number. Uh, uh, This was published just this week by the CDC. Oh, so what? 6% is real COVID, SARS-CoV-2 death. COVID-19 has essentially nothing to do with SARS-CoV-2. And I believe it's SARS-CoV-2, XMRVs, GMOs, glyphosate, Roundup, um, um, you know, 5G in, in um, you know, at the masks. Okay, we're um, heading into a break here. But so just very quickly, the 6% <laughs> CDC, and you're right, this was published in, in very little fanfare. What <laughs> if My understanding is that what they're saying is that only... Six percent of the deaths, the fatalities in the United States uh, were were related to, you know, no other comorbidities. Correct. Is that right? So Correct. only six percent of the total fatalities Correct. died with uh, with no other comorbidities. Correct. But we don't know it was that coronavirus. Again, right. nobody's isolated. The I want to. I want to pick up on this when we come back. I want to talk about some of the data that's uh, surrounding coronavirus and the uh, the pandemic. Back with Dr. Judy in a moment. Stay with us. 
You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. So, Dr. Judy, of the of the current 100, and I'm going to use the U.S. as kind of the benchmark here, 183,000 deaths so far attributed to COVID-19. Uh, if, if we were to take the CDC at its word that only 6% of those died solely from COVID-19, in other words, they didn't die with the virus, they died from it. Uh, I mean, people can do the math, but... And 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 uh, Dr. Bricks, I believe, on the task force told us very early on in April they were going to uh, they were going to diagnose very liberally uh, when it came to COVID. In other words, if you died with the virus, that would be counted as a COVID death. Not dying, you don't die with the virus, though, do you? You die from the virus. So, what do you think the actual number is uh, of of deaths attributed to COVID? Um, to, to SARS-CoV-2, um, probably less than 100. To SARS-CoV-2 and XMRV, 6%. Because the people with the XMRV are, and the people wearing the mask um, and, and, and getting flu shots are going to activate the viruses, the, the XMRVs they have, um, and, um, and, and, and die from the two things because it's a lethal combination to have SARS-CoV-2 and XMRV. And the clinical data, you know, support that. There are HIV sequences in SARS-CoV-2, as we know. It's grown in Vero Monk. The, the, vax, the virus is, was manufactured and grown up in, in the laboratories in Vero Monkey kidney cells that came from Fort Detrick um, in the biosafety level four. And um, I'm almost certainly contaminated with the XMRVs, just as the polio vaccines were right. thrown in Vero monkey kidney cells. So, to so be clear, you you're, not, you're not saying that it was created as a bioweapon. You're saying that, I mean, a lot of these viruses, they are, I believe the term is attenuated so that, that they, when you have a test monkey, which is expensive, when you put that virus in, you want to make sure that, the, that, that it's symptomatic, and if it's not strong enough and it's not symptomatic, that's a wasted test monkey. So they attenuate the virus. They make it more well, potent. Actually, Is that the idea? It's actually worse than that. It's not your test monkey. You're growing the virus in monkey cells that are like a factory. They grow continuously, it's called. And this is, we grow, that's what the dog cells are. It's a cell line. You're growing it in a huge vat and you don't purify the other viruses out of the vaccine, away from the vaccine antigen, away from the attenuated virus. And, um, and 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 this is that this is the big discovery with vaccines. Oh my God! There's an infinite number of new viruses. So we hear people say, "Oh, there's another one coming." Well, of course there are. There's there's a dozen viruses in those, and and right. and including Ebola. We and grew again, Ebola in the same Vero monkey kidney cells. That comes from bats too. How many viruses did we pull out of that, uh, bats and, and, and mice and monkeys? And they've been mixing around in our little labs for, I mean, the cell lines are all contaminated. That's why I had to go away in the summer of 2011. The big, oh my God, was the cell lines we use in cancer biologics, in everything, not just vaccines. 
machines and the lab workers were getting sick. Seroconverting literally aerosolized contagious cancer and AIDS. And this is why um, this is why these are the first people to die. Ah, so again, just in terms of the origin. Uh, you're not saying that it was, you know, created as a bioweapon in Wuhan. It was attenuated, uh, and then it somehow. It was escaped. manufactured. It was manufactured right. in viral monkey kidney cells. Right. And, and they're used in vaccines, and they're in polio vaccines. What did Bill Gates say? Oh, get a polio vaccine. Get an MMR. Wait a minute. MMRs contaminated with XMRVs. Well, in the old people are going out and getting MMRs. I mean, and this is a nightmare and they can recombine. We have no idea what SARS-CoV-2 looks like. There are many, many strains. And, and I'm, I'm just saying uh, that we're, we're, we're being played and we're being killed. And I'm are saying, you, are you anti-vax? Absolutely not. I spent my life making immune therapy. Oh, by the way, we have in my very first job was purifying type one interferon. Um, that is that would stop a coronavirus. All of them from jumping species is actually a natural safe vaccine type one interferon 50 to 200 units a day, an oral spray. You've got your vaccine. You don't need MMR polio or anything else. They're all RNA viruses. And oh, by the way, it works for HIV and Ebola as well. And uh, XMRV. <laughs> talk to me. Uh, we've heard reports that coronavirus uh, is being incentivized to diagnose it in hospitals. Can you, and, and I believe it was uh, a congressman in Minnesota uh, Dr. Jensen, who, who pointed this out as well. Uh, but can you, conf are you able to confirm that they are incentivizing diagnosis so that when you go into a hospital, you Medicare pays more for a coronavirus, uh, diagnosis than they do for just a regular ad admission? Um, I, I know only the, the doctors and nurses that I'm working with here in, in California. I know from um, Nurse Aaron and, and uh, in Florida and others who I know personally, and, and, um, and they confirm um, those. So it's many, many doctors telling you that. Um, that there's more money for SARS-CoV-2. There's also an issue with um, literally um, to families where um, they, they give them more money if they allow that to be put on the death certificate of somebody who dies and families who don't uh, allow that to be to be done. I have I have a, literally a, a dear friend whose husband, you know, died of a heart attack and um, a heart attack um, and nowhere near SARS or anything else. COVID-19. Um, and she literally couldn't collect um, her the insurance, anything for several months. They kept him on ice. Oh, we're too busy to do the autopsy. Um, COVID-19. And if, the, if she would have done that, she um, could have gone on without um but but again a lot more than incentivizing and, and and a lot more fraud in all of this and it's really important to talk about the masks and the vaccines no flu shots no shot ever if nobody gets another shot of any live viral vaccine or anything else um uh, we won't see a second round and we won't see the next viruses jump into human escaping labs um we've been lied to since we um you know since hiv and 
this, these are the big discoveries, Zika, Ebola in, in Sierra Leone. Again, these, we, that, that was a contagious Ebola too, spread like SARS-CoV-2. We've simply got to stop this practice, put a complete moratorium on all vaccines, get these masks. These masks are going to activate the dormant viruses. They cause hypoxia. I have pleurisy. Pleurisy is you know caused by viral infections. I've been infected with the XMRVs. The government knows the lab workers were sick. They don't want to pay for that. 20 million Americans were, were infected, including me, including my colleagues. That's the chapter. There are many chapters in our book with the XMRVs. I understand um, from um, a speech Bobby Kennedy gave that um, a thousand people being tested with the new COVID-19 vaccines um, are getting African sleeping sickness. Oh, a little XMRV. It's not coronavirus. And, and the, the treatment for that is Suramin, another hundred year old essential medicine of the WHO that was shown in a double blind placebo controlled study to um, significantly give these kids with autism associated with XMRVs their life back. That's an important thing. It wasn't right. just MECFS. It was cancer, 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 uh, you know, 20 million Americans and, and 32 different autoimmune diseases and cancers associated with All the right. XMRVs. We're going to take another time out, top of the hour. When we come back, we'll open up the phone lines. And I do want to get into uh, masks and uh, why you argue the their use should be limited. We'll also talk about the, the efficacy uh, or non-efficacy of hydroxychloroquine. Uh, back with more of my conversation with Dr. Judy Mikovits right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away.